Praise God. Good morning, Downpour. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing great. And uh, what a beautiful day it's already been. I mean, that video was shot a couple of weeks back, but we're still in the after effects of what God is doing, not just here in Brisbane, but all around the world. We've got friends here in our Brisbane Zoom service from people from all different parts of the world, people from all different parts of Australia. But I want to take a moment to give a tribute uh, to a man of God. Uh, Planet Earth lost a legend, a pioneer of the faith. Uh, this Tuesday, I got informed that Dr. Yogi Cho passed away uh, Tuesday morning. And in fact, yesterday was his funeral. And uh, the timing of this is just incredible. It's unreal. And the Bible talks about how, how precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints. Uh, you know, I, I read another pastor when they shared their tribute at his funeral, shared in, in 2000 years of church history, we haven't uh, experienced the kind or the kind of church or the kind of phenomenon uh, from like, like this man of God. He was literally a heaven sent gift to us. And I don't know if you know this, but the whole concept of circles, uh, he was one of the true pioneers that came. So any church that has a circle or a connect group, he was one of the one of the originators or the pioneers of that. And so why don't we take a moment to be praying for their church in Korea for the blessing they've been. I don't know if you know, but Australian Christian churches, the movement that we were part of in the 70s was going backwards. We closed more churches and opened churches. And then literally, if you do a pastor's intensive, they do a session on the meeting Dr. Yongi Cho had in Australia in 1976, I believe, where he spoke about visions and dreams and began to ask Aussie pastors to dream for a move of God. And in, in two years time, the movement doubled itself out of that one meeting. And so we've been blessed. Our nation's been blessed. The nations of the world has been blessed. And we thank God for men of, the, men of God like these that, have, that, that has been a grace and a gift to the body. So Father, we pray right now for Yoda Full Gospel Church as they navigate the change and the transitions that come with losing their founding leader, their founding pastor. And we thank you, God, for, the, for gracing us with this man of God for 85 years. And we thank you, God, that he's entered into his rest, into his eternal home, where we will all enjoy and celebrate one day together. We declare your blessing and your grace with the family, with the kids, with the grandkids. And we just declare, God, that you will do greater things. We thank you, God, for this move of God. But we thank you, God, for greater moves of God, because you will continue to build from strength to strength and glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've been unfolding uh, what I call downloads. Some of you just know what happened a few weeks back where I had this incredible experience where I got escorted into heaven. And the best language I can use is in that experience. It was not just things I saw. It was also things I perceived and things that were downloaded to me. And it's almost like every day, every week, um, opening inboxes and I'm opening folders in my soul, in my spirit and saying, wow, what is here and what is here? And, and so I want to share a message that if you literally just hear the title and some of you that follow me on social media already know the title, uh, that can be, can seem quite controversial, but I want to set a premise to it and then go from there. You know, when I was, when I, when I began experience heaven, very quickly, I recognized something that heaven has protocols that there are rules of engagement. 
Uh, in fact, it's the most funny thing I hear is when people say, why don't you ask this or why don't you ask that? But when you're caught up in this heavenly realm, it, you, there's, almost, there's, there's almost protocols there. There's rules of engagement. There's different facets of you that awaken and arise to the occasion. It's not a carnal human mind alone that sort of has a say in what goes and what doesn't go. And I, I need us to understand that because the more understanding that we have, the better our engagement. The more understanding that we, have, that we have, the better our engagement, the better our reach, the better our understanding of, of our assignment. And when I was with Jesus, one of the things that he did not say, but I could sense in my time with him, was there was a big emphasis on Jesus needing his people, us, the church, to rise up to understand their authority. In fact, there was this overall the reason why even I was encouraged in this, in, this, in this encounter was literally to say, don't stop, don't quit. In fact, rise up and understand your authority. Rise up and understand what you've been given. Rise up and understand the weight, the blessing, the resources, and the access that you have. Because we must understand that we have an enemy. And the thing about the way the devil works is he actually does not want publicity. I've heard preachers say, I don't talk about the devil, I don't talk about the enemy because he has enough publicity. Well, let me tell you something about the enemy. The way he works is the less marketing he gets, the more successful he's becoming. And I don't want to spend a whole message talking about him, but we must understand that there is an unseen realm. And uh, there's been so much, in fact, in fact, we don't even call the devil the devil, we use titles like the enemy, because we don't, we don't want to shut people off and we want to be friendly and so we say things like the enemy and then we, we sometimes we call ourselves the enemy sometimes we call our mindsets the enemy and they're all the enemy but we got to understand we've got to classify this enemy we've got to recognize this enemy and he's the devil and you got to understand this uh, let me let me help break this out to help you understand how the devil operates there are two ways you can attack a country you can you can drop an atom bomb you know an, an atomic bomb and a big explosion can happen the, 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 you can scan the, the, the plane or the country or the whatever happened, you, you know it, it's a big boom. The other way you can attack a company is by dropping or, or, or releasing rather a poisonous gas that's invisible, that's unseen, and the only thing is you wake up dead. And you know, this is why COVID-19 is so dangerous because there's all these things about, is it this, is it that, is it this, is it that? At one point they were even saying, it's not even a bacteria, it's not even a virus, it's a bacteria, it's all this sort of stuff. Why? Because it's unseen. And this is how the enemy operates. He actually doesn't drop an atom bomb. He releases poisonous gases into the atmosphere. It's, it's unseen, it's invisible. You won't even know it's coming, but it is there. And I don't say this, this is not a message of doom and gloom. This is not a message of, oh, wow, it's too bad. This is a message of recognition and even, and even more than anything, recognizing who you are in Christ. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I want to read that again to you. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Against principalities. That tells me something. That tells me that there are protocols. Against powers. That tells me that the enemy, the devil, has some powers. We don't even want to talk about it. Don't talk about the fact that the enemy has powers. Let me tell you this morning, he has powers. 
against rulers of the darkness, which tells me the, the devil rules something. He's ruling something to be called a ruler. Rule of darkness of this age, which tells me there's an expiry date, which tells me there's a dispensation, which tells me there's a start time and an end time of this age against spiritual holds of wickedness in what? In where? This is a bit, in heavenly places. We have an understanding that the devil's living in hell. If you actually read the Bible, you will know that he will actually be banished to hell only later on. But he's, he's in all these different spaces and I know I'm opening a lot of things that probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes with you will not be able to all explore and understand. But I just want to really do a little bit of an introduction into what I think is, is, is a reminder for us to recognize who we, who we are in God. And that's why Jesus said, let my people know that they have authority. They have authority. And, and, and I want to share the title of my message. And you, you, you know, brace yourself as I say this. Here's the title of my message. God is not in control. God is not in control. Before you turn, turn this off, before you quit the Zoom, before you stop anything, this, this word, God is in control, is the most uh, misrepresented verse, or not verse, it's not even scriptural by the way, is the most misrepresented title that church uses. This is not Christianity, this is churchianity. And churchianity teaches us that God is in control. In fact, when a crisis happens and everybody's moody and something's crazy and we all, it's like, it's like the best, if you're a pastor, this is the finishing tagline if you know you're done with the meeting and you've got nothing else to say. The easiest thing to say is, look, uh, I just want you to know, regardless of what has happened, God is in control. Well, the truth is it's not that, it's not that direct. It's not that straightforward. And I want to give you two words. It's going to come up on the screen. Maybe you want to say it out loud. Charge versus control. Charge versus control. And I want to give you new language. God is not in control, but God is in charge. You're like, you should have just called a sermon that and not make me feel that shaky and jittery. No, I just want to shake you up a bit just to get your attention. But God is not in control. God is in charge. And I want to explain that. One of the best analogies to explain what that means is the prodigal son. If you don't know the story of the prodigal son, Jesus shares a story and he's trying to create the relationship between God the Father and his children. And the story is that God the Father, uh, uh, the Father in the story rather, has two sons. One of the sons, he's enjoying the experiences and all the luxuries that come with the home. And one day he just says, you know what? I've got all this wealth. I've got all this inheritance. I've got all these things that my father is supposed to give me. And he just says to him, I want you to give me the portion that's due for me. And the Bible goes on to say that the son leaves the father, takes the wealth, takes the inheritance, and gives himself to what the Bible calls prodigal living, reckless living. And, and later on, there's this moment where he goes, my father was so good. My father's house is so nice. My father would do this. And he goes, I disqualified myself to be a son. If I'm a servant in my father's house, I have it better than my current status. Now, I want to break this down. Because based on our confession that God is in control, what should have happened was when the son said, give me what is due, what he was actually saying was, you're in control. 
And he was saying, I want to be in control of my resources. I want to be in control of my inheritance. So he was challenging the fact that God is in control or the father is in control. And if the father was in control, he could have locked the son in. He could have paralyzed the son. He could have maimed the son. He could have cut his credit. Now, let's say for whatever reason he doesn't, the son goes off. He lives the life he does. He does. Let's assume being this being a picture of the earthly father, he knew what was going on with the son. But not once did the father take control. The father had enough resources at his disposal to take control of at any given moment because the father was not in control, he was in charge. Then the son has an understanding that in my father's house, things are way better. See, when the, when the Bible says that he, he gave himself to prodigal living, what, he, what the Bible was saying was that he gave himself to an uncontrolled life. And so he took control into his hands, lost all control, and then he recognized that his father is not, in, not necessarily a controller, but rather a person who's in charge. And he said, I want to submit myself under your charge. In fact, I will come down the ladder and I will be a servant in this house. And the rest is history. A lot of times when I talk about, when I use this word, God is in control, people that have a little bit of theological background throw in this card called sovereignty. But God is sovereign. Let me tell you something else. The word sovereign does not mean control. It means in charge. Sovereign means the final authority. In other words, God has the final say. In, in other words, God has the final outcome, but it does not really mean that every outcome in my life and in your life is God's say. It just means that God has the final outcome. See, if God is in control, then he's got a lot to answer. Because if God is in control, then every rape, every murder, every evil, every crime happen under God's jurisdiction. But what you've got to understand is that there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. See, this word sovereign gets thrown around so much. Even the Queen of England is called a sovereign. Uh, ho hopefully that makes you understand a few things. The Queen is called sovereign, but she doesn't have a say on when our borders in Queensland and New South Wales is opening. She doesn't have a say on all these little affairs, but she's considered the supreme commander. Now, I know in, 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 in sort of the Commonwealth, it's just more of a novelty thing. But I also want to, want to exercise this, this parable format to help you understand this. Another example would be the CEO. The CEO of a company is not in control. The CEO of a company is in charge. Because if the CEO of the company was in control, he would be able to control every phone call, every customer service conversation, every staff person, every, every person. But it's not the case. Right now, he has the final say if things need to change, if procedures need to come in place, all of that sort of thing. But he's now, now the thing about God is now the reason I'm using the CEO example is because some CEOs would love to be in control, they'd love to be in every room, they'd love to be in every conversation, but they're limited. But the thing about God is, God is in every room, He is in every conversation, and He can do anything and everything He wants to do, but He's laid down His control. And he's taken charge. Are you tracking with me? Now, all of a sudden, you gotta be, uh, you gotta be, you gotta be thankful on the goodness of God that even though he can be in control, he's outsourced authority. Are you with me? 
Now, the, one of the poster child scriptures of this whole thing is Romans 8, when we talk about that fact that God is in control, for God works all things for the good of those that are called and loved according to his purposes. Now, the word there is God works all things. That all things is good things, that all things is evil things, that all things is things he did not do. God has his innate ability to take the good, the bad, the ugly things that he did not ask for, things that he did not order for, things that the enemy brought in, things that people brought in, all sorts of things. And, and, and that, is, that is a part and a facet of it, but it does not really encapsulate the truth that God is really in control. Are you with me? I'll be good this morning. I want to read a bunch of scriptures to you just to set the premise to help us understand a bit more. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Now let's scroll back to verse 4. What does it say? Satan, right? We know, we've been talking about him. What does the Bible call him? the God of this world. Man, the Bible calls him a God. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to give him credit here. I'm just literally reading scripture. In fact, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. We don't have it in the notes, but he says this, that let us not be unaware of the evil schemes of the enemy. That's all I'm doing this morning. I'm just making us, I'm just bringing awareness just bring in awareness. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Check out what it says. As for you, you were dead in your transgression and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. And of the ruler, check it out, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The Bible calls the devil ruler of the kingdom of the air. Another translation calls him the prince of the air. I'm just helping us identify how the Bible, I find that a lot of Christians don't recognize the enemy like scripture does. That's all I'm saying. And, and I think the, the premise, the main premise of this is seen in the temptation of Jesus. In the temptation of Jesus, where Jesus is, is fasting 40 days, 40 nights, and the devil comes to him. And I want to I want to sort of put a preset here because we can learn a lot from that conversation. Check out what it says in Luke chapter 4 verse 5 to 7. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will and then he then the devil said I will give you the glory of this kingdom and authority over them. The devil said because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Let, let's talk about this. I want to spend a few minutes talking about this. What is happening? Jesus was fasting. Jesus gets hungry. The devil comes to tempt him. And what begins to happen is that the first temptation, which I don't read about, is that the devil says to Jesus, I know you're hungry. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Now I want to point this out here. It's really important we understand this because this is how we see the devil. We see the devil as the devil went to Jesus and said, why don't, we, why don't you turn this stone into a soccer ball and play some football? That's not what the devil did. See, the devil didn't bring a soccer ball to tempt Jesus. The devil brought bread to tempt Jesus. Now, there's a reason why I'm saying this. For some of you, soccer might be the temptation. But in Jesus' case, 
bread was the temptation. The reason bread was a temptation was because the bread was relevant. The bread was relevant to the occasion. What was the occasion? Jesus was hungry. Why was he hungry? Because he was fasting. So that tells me any temptation brought our way is relevant to satisfy a need. Are you traveling with me? There was a need. There was a genuine need. It was not a fake need. It was not a false need. There was a genuine need. There was a genuine gap. And the devil provided for something. Are you tracking with me? So now with that, let's read Luke chapter 4, verse 5 and 7 again. 5 to 7 and again. Then the devil took him up. Took whom up? Took Jesus up. Which tells me that the devil can take you to places. If the devil could take the Son of God, let's keep moving, and reveal to him all the things, which tells me that the devil can reveal things to us too. Reveal. The word they reveal is revelation. The word they reveal is trance. The word they reveal is a vision. Not all visions are from God. Reveal to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. I want you to understand that this was literally an experience. Showed him the continents, the nations of the world. How could Jesus see all that? Unless, of course, it was a vision. And then check out what the devil says. He says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. And the devil said, because they are mine. Notice the word, what does the devil say? They're mine. His, his, and I'll give it to anyone I please. I need you to understand. This is what we don't understand. At some point in the history of time, planet Earth became under devil's authority. And what he was saying was, I will give you all the glory. I will give you all the authority of these kingdoms that belong to me. Do you know why? Because that's what Jesus came for. The reason why Jesus came to planet earth was, yes, to die a death. But what was the purpose of that death? What was the purpose of that sacrifice? Was to transfer back to him the ownership and the authority of planet earth. Are you with me? So until this point, the devil's been taking charge. So now the question we got to ask is, when did the devil get authority of planet earth? Great question. It happened in the garden. It happened when Adam sold his birthright, in a sense, when he ate of that tree, when he ate of the fruit of that tree. And you know, you know how the devil did it? The way the devil did it was he went to Eve and he said, God is in control. That's what he said. He said, God is in control. How did he say that? God is in control, which is why he's controlling and he's trying to control this outcome. And the way he's trying to control this outcome is by restricting you from eating of this tree. But if you eat of this tree, you will have control. <laughs> You're with me. And so that is, begins, well, that is what begins to happen. But in that, there was an, what I call an erroneous transaction, an error transra uh, transaction, an illegal transaction between Adam and the devil. And the devil took on, in fact, if you notice, 
If you notice in the garden, what did God say to Adam? God said, you are responsible. You're supposed to tend, tend the ground. You got to take care of this garden. You got to take care of this planet. This planet has been assigned to you, humanity. I've given you wisdom. I've given you intelligence. I've given you intel. I've given you resources. I've given you innate ability to name the animals. Everything that you need to put this planet in order, I've, I've entrusted to you. That was man's original assignment. We had been given authority. We gave that authority back. Can I say to you that Jesus didn't come to planet Earth to gain power. He came to planet Earth to regain authority. I don't want to explain that. I'm probably going to spend the next few minutes, the rest of my time talking about this. On your screens will come up two words, power and authority. Power and authority. Two words to recognize, power and authority. There are so many people that recognize and understand power, but there are few people that understand authority. Let me tell you, in the kingdom of heaven, both are essential, both are important, but there's two that we need to understand and gain more knowledge of its authority. So the best example I have is I'm going to go in a few different directions with this. Is yesterday I was at the, I was at the lights, the roads were closed, all the signals stopped working, and there was this four-way yeah, four-way street, from, from four-way highway from all these different directions. And literally, as my car comes to the stop, I need to turn right, which looks like left to you, to, to my right. And, and right in the middle of this, this massive highway where all these big roads meet is one police officer. He's got this, this red, he's got this lightning stick in his hand and he's just like doing this to the cars that are coming. He does this to the car that needs to stop. And when I looked at him, and I, thought, and I had a moment, I was just like, why is anybody listening to this guy? Why is anybody? Now, on, on, his, on his right side, there was a, there was a weapon, there was a, there was a pistol, there was a gun. But really, the power of my car is stronger than the power of his, of his feet. And all I need to do is just, anybody just needs to push the accelerator, Cross the, cross the rules, break the rules, go full. In terms of, if you were to do a power comparison, the people in the vehicle outpowered him. But he did not do what he did because of power. He did what he did because of authority. We stopped because when we saw him, we didn't see power, we saw authority. And, say, and so we got to understand how this works because now let's say there was a man who was there and he got out of his car for whatever reason and grabs the gun off this guy. The moment he does that, he's done something illegal. But there's been a transference of power, right? There's been a transference of power. And what is happening in the kingdom of God is there are so many illegal activities, so many illegal transferences happening. And this is why we got to understand this, that Jesus didn't come to gain power. He came to regain authority. This is why in Matthew 28, now no, make note of this, Jesus said these words only after his death and his resurrection. Check out what it says in Matthew 28 verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. But that word heaven is every heavenly realm. That includes the devil. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was saying, guys, I had a level of power, I had a level of authority, but now I've gained all authority. I've died, I've faced death, 
I've gone down to Hades. I've got the keys in my hands. I've been given all authority. Now I want to break this. Now I want to break this further. Another story, just to help and illustrate the point. Let's say there's a guy in the court, right? He's facing a charge for felony or murder or whatever. And there's this, there's this petite judge with his hammer and says, guilty, right? Hits the bench, says you're guilty. The police officer goes to him, puts handcuffs on him. The guy willingly surrenders. Why? Not to the power. Now the guy could have been stronger. He could, he would have, he would have had a six pack. The police officer was not as fit. He could have outpowered him. But what is he submitting to? He's submitting to the authority of that petite female judge just hit the table, said, you're guilty. Jury has decided you're guilty. He's submitting to that. So he's got, a, he's got, he's got, he's, he's submitted to authority. He's more powerful, but he submitted to authority. The police officer escorts him into the vehicle. There's two other guards with him. As they're traveling, this guy is a rogue. He's got a gang. His gang comes along, sort of bypasses this vehicle, stops them, put, him, put barricades in front of them, takes over the vehicle. What's happened? There's not been a transfer of authority. There's been a transfer of power. But now let's say, let's say these guys hold the policemen captive. They say, we're going to take all of you with us. We're going to punish you guys. Now there's been a transference of authority. It's unauthorized, but it's still illegal authority. Are you tracking with me? Another, the police station comes to know about this. They call the other police departments, every police department on the highway, right? Are you with me? Is being informed and all getting all their guys in order because every kingdom, every nation, every country has protocols. I'm just trying to help you understand protocols. All will be in order, right? If things go out of hand, now let's say this guy reaches the state border. It now becomes from a state problem to a national problem, right? Let's say he crosses into New South Wales, jumps in there. The nation's awakened. The protocols are happening. Phone calls are being made. And let me tell you, while things are being actioned by the police, things are also being actioned legally. Now, he jumps on the ferry, he jumps on the, on the cruise liner, finds his way to New Zealand. This has gone from a national problem to an international problem. The national guard has been awakened. Why has this all happened? All because one little petite lady took a hammer, smacked it on the bench and said, guilty. On what basis? On the basis of the law. This is the authority that you and I have. That you, this is what heaven is telling us. This is what, this is what I felt. I'm getting to the point of what I felt I was feeling on my heart when I was in heaven. That all of heaven's resources are available. It's not your size, it's not your power, it's not your muscle power, it's who you are in Christ. That petite lady, like the lawmaker, could smack that desk and say, guilty, you and I have the same authority. And let me tell you, when you do that, the angels are awakened, the warriors are awakened, and all of heaven is awakened. So if you're facing a problem that's gone from a district level, to a suburban level, to a state level, to a national level, to an international level. Let me tell you, God has protocols in place and he's authorized things in place. And this tells me something. What it also tells me is that, and what I love is in this whole story that I shared, while they're chasing the robber, while they're chasing the thief, people are on the phone. Who are they calling? 
They're calling authorities. You know what that is? That is intercession. That is prayer. That is getting the word out. That is getting the news out. Because if anybody breaks protocol, anybody that breaks kingdom protocol, we are authorized to launch, to deploy, to release. So now that tells me that any time the devil messes with me, he has power, but he doesn't have authority. So then I ask the question, who gave him authority? This is why God goes into the garden and looks at Adam and says, who told you you were naked? Who told you that you've got that issue? Who told you you're, you're full of shame? Who told you that fear lives in you? Who, who gave you that information? Where have you passed on the authority that I've entrusted you with back to the accuser in this erroneous transfer? I hope you're being set free this morning. And so maybe this is not a message of who is in control, who's not in control. This is really a message of authority. And what I need from us, Downport Church, is for us to rise up in authority. We, we know how to pray in power. We know how to sing in power. We know how to dance in power. We know how to tweet in power. We know all the power that we have. But here's the thing. What we got to understand is authority. And you might ask, how do I understand authority? The greatest way to access authority is by prayer. Prayer is the oxygen to our authority. This is why it is so powerful. When I, when I, after my experience, this is why I need people to pray for me. This is why I need you to pray for me. Downport Church, I need you to be praying for me. I don't pray for myself. I'm pray, I pray for you. So I need you to be praying for me. Because Matthew 18 says, when two agree, just two people. Now here's the thing, right? In the world, to catch this guy, all of the, all, all of the country had to be awakened. On planet Earth, just you and me. We just need to agree. Whatever you agree, our Father in heaven immediately he's he's discharging stuff now here's the thing it may take a bit of time to catch that guy he went all the way to new zealand right back to my story but that does not mean heaven's not moved on your behalf so some of you are in delay some of you are in transition you're like god's not listening to my prayer and why pray and maybe just talk to somebody why pray just get some counseling no can i say get counseling get help but pray pray while you're in it if there's one thing downport church we got to be doing it's praying it's praying. There's way more preaching than praying. There's way more singing than praying. There's way more dancing than praying. There's way more coffee catch-ups than praying. There's way more time in Starbucks than praying. But if my people that are called by my name, that will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal them. All of heaven will move. There will be an open heaven. And I will show my glory and my power again. Praise God. I want to finish off in prayer. I just feel like there's a spirit of prayer that's in this room right now. I just want every person, if you can get yourself into a posture of praying, yeah, maybe you're not, you might need to move away from what you, where you are. Just get into a posture of prayer. Just get into a place of prayer. Into a place of prayer. And just, just, I just want you to take a moment. Maybe if you want to lift those hands up. And I just want you to think about everything that we shared this morning. Just think about heaven is at your disposal. Heaven's waiting on you. Jesus said, all authority I've regained, I give to you now. Now step forward, step out, do what you've been assigned to do. Go for it, my child. Go for it, my son. So why don't we pray right now? Father, I pray.
in the matchless precious name of Jesus not just a prayer for the sake of prayer but knowing this revelation that you're by our side and heaven is waiting God you're in charge but you've given us authority you've given the church authority which is why your word says that you will build your church through the authority that you've given this church, the churches and the gates of hell will not prevail. So Father, I pray right now for every need, things that we prayed about once that we stopped praying about. In the name of Jesus, I pray for acceleration. Lord, I know that the very first time we prayed, you moved. The very first time we prayed, things begin to happen. We haven't seen it yet, but now we see, Lord, as our eyes are closed. Lord, I pray right now for people's eyes to open. Lord, as I pray right now, I want people to see the things that I've seen. I want people to see the things that you've shown your children, that things are moving on behalf of them, the unseen realm, the things that they cannot see. I pray right now that they'll be able to see. I pray for strength in this moment. I pray for a new confidence in this moment. Lord, I thank you, Lord, right now. Lord, I thank you, God, for your presence that is resting on homes, resting on people, resting on situations in a powerful way. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy. In your most mighty, matchless, precious name, we pray. Amen. 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 I hope you've been blessed, Downpour. want you to know that we are here eagerly waiting for you to pray for you. If you've got a prayer request, write to us. We just believe that God has great things for our future. God has great things for your future. And we just know this. Let's hold on to this confidence that heaven is waiting. Heaven is waiting for his children to be praying. God bless you. We love you.